You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. Well, we are today going to be in Second uh, Corinthians. So we read the communion passage out of Corinthians, Paul writing to the Corinthians. Um, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So go ahead and open up your word or open up your phone and flip to and get to um, 2 Corinthians. So like I said, I love New Year's. I, I'm one of those kind of people that you know, maybe a little Pollyanna, but I'm a pretty positive person, right? I like good things. I like to think about good things. I'm a, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. And so I love the new chance. I love a new start. And I think um, this day is a great day for us to think about what new things that we can be uh, to honor Christ this year. So if you are in 2 Corinthians, I'm going to read our passage, uh, 10 verses we're going to cover today, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11 to 21, um, so you can follow along. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others, but what we are is known to God. I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised." From now on, therefore, we, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I love this passage. It talks about out with the old, in with the new. And that's the condition that we find ourselves as followers of Christ. So right at the beginning, let's look at, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Whenever you see, this is one of the rules of Scripture, right? Whenever you see therefore, you need to look to see what therefore is therefore, right? So um, look back, if you can, in your Bible, just at verse 9 and 10. We want to get an understanding of why therefore is there. And we need to understand what Paul's talking about a little bit. So Paul says in verse 9, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. 
For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So here's a little picture into where Paul's mind is, where his heart is. He's thinking first about pleasing God. What does he need to do to please God? And then second, he's thinking about this judgment seat of Christ, right? How at a point, he's going to stand before God and give an account of everything he's done, whether good or bad. Everything that he's done, Paul is going to stand before the Lord and give an account. So this is where Paul's heart and mind is as he says, therefore, right? I want to please the Lord. I want to be accountable with my life before the Lord. Therefore, what does he say in verse 11? Knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. So here's Paul, understanding the fear of the Lord. So when you think of fear of the Lord, this is one of these kind of weird things that we don't say too often in our 2017. The fear of the Lord, is he talking about this kind of frightening, um, scary, awesome, um, holy God that's full of wrath and vengeance? Is he talking about this awesome, loving, patient, good God who he has so much excitement to persuade others towards? Well, yes, right? He's talking about God, all of the frightening, holy terror that he is, and all of the loving goodness that he is. So when Paul considers who God is, he wants to persuade others. You see, Paul's view of God, how he saw and understand who God was, that determined what he did. He wanted to persuade others because he saw who God was. So how we see and know God, it's critical. There's a quote um, by an early 1900s theologian author, A.W. Tozier. I want you to read it, a lo- read it with me and um, see what you think about it. What comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. So what Tozer's saying there is how we see and understand God, it determines everything else about us. What we do, what we say, how we act, what thoughts we have going through our mind, who we are is directly related to how we see and know and understand who God is. Do we have a clear and accurate picture of who God is? See, I think sometimes we can see God as distant, kind of detached out there, some passive um, God who's not directly involved in our life. Sometimes we see God as present and active and involved and engaged with us every moment. Sometimes we see God as serious, and sometimes we see God as joyful. Sometimes we see God as love. Sometimes we see him as patience. Sometimes we see him as justice. So how we view God is of utmost importance as we start into 2017. How we know and understand him, it really impacts all of our life. So we, over Christmas break, took a little family trip, and uh, when we're in the car for a long time, we drove to Colorado, so we were 
uh, that 17, 18 hours in the car. And so I always try to come up with something to do um, with our kids because they're always on their phones and tablets. And so I posed this exercise for us, right? I said, here's a theory. Our view of God, kind of what Tozier said, right? Our view of God impacts everything that we do and how we see everything. So here's what I want you to do, family. I want you to consider any different scenario or situation or emotion or anything, and I want you to tell me a proof. Give me a proof of this theory. Is this true? And so, so my kids are all high school, college age. They can do that. It doesn't maybe work with some of the younger families here. But um, we talked about it, and it was a little bit pulling teeth even with my family. But the reality that we came up with, some really good proofs as we wa- went around our car, we, we determined that how we view God really impacts how we treat our friends. If we see God as loving and patient and, and interested, then we can treat our friends that way. If uh, how we view God, it really impacts uh, our diet, what we eat, how we take care of our bodies. Um, how we view God, it impacts um, what kind of music we listen to, what do we do for entertainment. How we view God, it impacts how we take care of our stuff. It, it impacts um, what we do with things like natural disasters or, or different tragedies. Our perspective and how we see God, it impacts every aspect of our life. And so I, I found myself, and I do agree with Tozier, our view of God it impacts every, everything. So it's critical that we know God and we know him well. And Paul did, right? So Paul says, knowing the fear of God, he persuades others. So what is it that he was persuading them to? Let's keep reading. Um, verse 12 and 13, uh, but what we are known, but what we are is known to God. And I hope that it's known to, also to your conscience. Why are not, we are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God, and if we are in our right minds, it is for you. So Paul found himself in the situation where there were different traveling preachers that would roam around to the different churches. So Paul established this church. He came in and he presented the truth of the gospel. He clearly set up the, the order of things. And immediately after, his le- after he left, a different preachers would come in and they would bring um, doubt. They would cast um, a different way. And so Paul found himself um, needing to kind of defend himself. And he didn't want to defend himself, but he found himself in a situation where there were false teachers that were spinning a different tale. They were discrediting Paul. And from what we can tell, they were discrediting him based on some outward appearances. They were making themselves look a certain way in order to give themselves more credibility. And Paul says, wait, don't look at the outward side the outward appearance, the outward show. Look at the heart. Remember when we were with you. Paul says, I was, we were there. Remember how we were with you. Remember how we interacted. Remember our character. Don't look at the outward appearance. 
look at the heart. We, we have the same problem as the Corinthians in that we often make our judgments based on the outward appearance. We measure people by how they look, by how they sound, by what kind of stuff they have. Instead, like Paul is encouraging the Corinthians, to look and make our judgments based on the heart. And he wants it to be clear to their conscience. What's on the inside is what matters. So in 2017, let me encourage you, don't spend so much time and effort and energy and resources on the outward appearance. So we have this problem of trying to make ourselves look great. Um, make, to make ourselves really look better than we are. And social media, right, is uh, it's really perpetuating that problem. The way we post and what we post and how many edits we put on the pictures that we post, we design a life for ourselves that we want everyone to look at and see and to make their judgments on the outward appearance. So if we spent half as much time as we did worrying about our outward show, working on the heart, what's on the inside, that would do us well in 2017. So Paul is telling the Corinthians to remember how he was, remember what his um, character was like. In the the chapter just before, 2 Corinthians 4, 18, Paul says to look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So Paul wants the Corinthians, and I want us as his church to look at the things that are unseen in 2017, to develop eyes that see the heart, and to look past all the clamor and the, the makeup and hair and all of the things that make uh, the outward show of who we are. And to be careful as we're editing our posts and our pictures um, in 2017. So with all of what Paul has said in these first few verses, I would say the key word in my heart for this first passage is persuade, right? Right at the beginning, Convinced of who God is, Paul wants to persuade others. He uses that word um, right there at the beginning in 11. Well, let's look on uh, to verses 14 uh, to 17. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, and therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, excuse me, but for those, uh, for him, oh, let me try that again. Um, verse 15, and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This passage, this section, it's, it's, it's rich. There's a theological thickness here, right? We start to get the, uh, the scope of what Jesus did. We start to understand that 
that one died for all, we start to understand that that much love that Christ demonstrated for us has a, a compelling, a controlling impact on our life. At least that's what Paul said, right? Paul said his, his love controls me. It compels me to do the things I do. Since Christ died for all, we learn that our old way, that our flesh, the way of looking at things from the flesh, that has gone away, that has passed away, and that all things are new. We have a new spirit, a new way about us. That trans, uh, that whole process, that great exchange, that movement of our sin to the old self being replaced by the new self, it's, it's an amazing transition. It's a thing in our lives that is awesome. It is what God demonstrated to us in his love. And that type of love is the thing that motivates us. It controls us. And he doesn't stop, Paul, as he's explaining this in verse 15, he doesn't stop at Jesus' death. It wasn't just Jesus' death, but it was also his resurrection, his life. So today, as we start this year, Jesus is alive. His Holy Spirit is deposited in us. We have a new nature, a new spirit that gives us the power, that gives us the um, vision to move forward into 2017. Um, so how, uh, what does it look like in the end of that passage it talks about for us to live for him? What does Paul say? How can we live for him? The Bible is full of so many different ways that we can live for him. And in order to live for him, we actually have to know what the Bible says. So if I could encourage you with one thing to know what the Bible says, it would be in this year of 2017 to take time every day and to read the Bible. There's no way that you can live for him apart from knowing what he says. So church, let me encourage you, if you make one goal, one goal for 2017 it would be to spend time in God's word daily. And it's so easy. The technology around is really helpful. The Bible app on most everybody's phone, there are hundreds of plans that you can sign up for. You can just log in on your phone, and every day it'll pull up for you the chapters of Scripture for you to read. Or there's, there's so many systems out there available for you to read God's word so I know every day you do many things. Every day you brush your teeth, I hope, right? Every day you brush your teeth, you take a shower. Probably every single day of your life, you listen to the radio as you're driving along in your car. Or you watch TV probably every day, especially over this holiday time, we've watched a lot of TV. There are things that we make time for that we discipline ourselves to do. So let me encourage you to take some time every day to start a Bible plan to read God's word so that you can know what he says, so that you can know him, have an accurate view of who he is, which we just talked about, our clear view of who God is, it determines everything else about us. And we can live for him as we know his word and it's in our heart. But specifically in verse 16, this passage talks to us about a particular way that we can live for him. 
And it's related to what we just talked about, the unseen. He says uh, that Paul used to regard Christ according to the flesh. He used to look at Jesus according to his fleshly way. So, right, the Jews were expecting Jesus or the Messiah to come as this ruling conqueror, to come and free them from the Roman rule. The Jews were looking for a Messiah to come in and clean house, to take names and to be in charge. When Jesus came, he didn't come like that, right? He came and he blew all of their expectations. And so Paul, as he was judging in the flesh, as he was looking at the outward things, he became the chief persecutor of the church, right? So Saul, before his Damascus Road conversion, Saul was the chief persecutor of of the way of Christians. But he had what verse 17 says, this experience, this dramatic Damascus Road experience where the old was gone and the new has come. He became a new creation. And he looks at things from that perspective now. So we too, church, we can look at things with that new perspective. If you truly have become a follower of Christ, the old is gone. You don't consider other people according to the flesh any longer. You consider them according to the spirit. So how do we do that? It's so hard in our world. You may remember when Saul, uh, Samuel was looking to anoint a king. In the Old Testament, he was going around trying to figure out who God wanted to appoint as king. And, and God gives him some specific instruction in 1 Samuel 16.7. He says this, The Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So every single person on this planet has an inner self. What Paul is saying, when he considered Christ according to flesh, he was looking at the, for the outward show. What we need to do is to learn and develop the skills to look at the inward man. It's a hard thing. So every person, we all know them. There's people in your life that annoy you, right? There's people in your life that are frustrating, that are irritating. There are people that are pursuing a way that's dramatically opposed to God. They maybe are are practicing um, evil. Maybe they are pursuing lifestyles or ways of being that are directly and diametrically opposed to God's way. They're in your life. So how do we see them the way God sees them? How do we have eyes that consider them not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, especially those irritating people? The reality is they are um, most likely being deceived by the enemy. They are irritating and frustrating because they're not really living according to the spirit that God has for them. Maybe they've rejected him right out. So the hope that we have for 2017 is that God can take out the old and put in the new. There can be even the most irritating person. God loves them. He designed a life for them that is full and abundant and joyful. And so we, if we can develop eyes to see the way the Lord sees, we can see even the most irritating 
as a person with great potential that's loved by God, that can have a life transformed. They can be a new creation, a new creation. So that's our hope. So this whole second section, um, we see that Paul is controlled by Christ's love to see people not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And so that's probably the key word I would say um, is that controlled, or as the NIV says, compelled. The second section is talking about our motivation for loving other people, for having eyes to see. So the first section we talked about being um, persuaded. The section, second section we're talking about being compelled. So let's look at the third uh, section of this passage, and um, we're going to read it together, uh, starting in verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespass against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on, Christ, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So there's some big words in this section, but some awesome words. The first one is this concept of reconciliation. And that's really maybe the, the whole theme of this, this passage. So what is reconciliation? Probably when you think of reconciliation, you may think of your checking account or your credit card account and trying to make, and sh- make sure it's reconciled, that you have the same amount of money in your account that the bank thinks that you have, that there's this reconciliation of the finances. But probably most of you, when you think of reconciliation, you're thinking about relationships. You're thinking about um, maybe some person who there has been a break, there's been some conflict, there's been some uh, division. And so what does reconciliation mean? It means to make that relationship restored. It means to bring that into a right balance. And so reconciliation, Paul says, it's about making things right again. Um, Whatever is out of balance, it's bringing it back into balance. So he starts talking about now, Paul, in verse 14, or he said in 14 that, um, that one died for all. And so he's, he's explaining theologically how we can be reconciled to God, which is, it's an amazing thing. It's, it's miraculous, truly. This relationship that we have, what do we bring to the equation? Only our sin. All we have to contribute is our sin. And what do we get in return? Christ's righteousness. So this great exchange, this great um, transaction happens to reconcile us with God. We bring into the equation all of our mistakes, all of our disappointments, all of our sin, and we give that to the Lord. And what does he give us back in return? His righteousness his purity, the ability to stand before God reconciled. He puts it back in balance. This is a, it's, it's great news. It's the best news. It's the message of reconciliation. 
And in fact, as you see, you and me, we have been given this ministry of reconciliation. We've been given the opportunity to help people be reconciled to God. In fact, it says that God is making his appeal through us. So when you think of reconciliation, um, you think of being made right. Then the other word that we're called in here, it's a big word, it talks about being an ambassador. So what's an ambassador? You know, in missions, I travel uh, to a lot of different countries, and one thing I want to know in every country that I go to is where's the embassy? I want to know if things go bad, where do I need to go in order to find um, the power of the U.S. government? So an ambassador, it's someone who is a representative, right? They're one who carries the authority of one sovereign country and represents that to another country. An ambassador carries the weight of the government. He's an appointed uh, representative, an ambassador. Well, this is an amazing thing, what Paul says, that we, as his church, are ambassadors. We have somehow the ability to carry and represent God to man. He is even making his appeal through us. It's awesome. And it, it's, it's such an amazing story. It, it deserves to be shouted from the mountaintop. It deserves to be proclaimed in every corner. It deserves to be known by every person on this world, this amazing reality that one died for our sin, that our unrighteousness is given to Christ, and that his righteousness is given to us. That is amazing news. For 2017, that is a miracle. And the reality is, that great news in 2017, we've been entrusted to. You just heard it, if you didn't know it before, and I think you did. You know some amazing news. And not um, just knowing that, you've been given a charge right here in Scripture, that you've been given a ministry of reconciliation. You and me, we are ambassadors. You are an ambassador of this great news. You have been given a ministry of reconciliation. So that begs the question, um, who am I, who are you helping to reconcile? Who are you an ambassador to? Now, I hope that at any time you would be with me thinking of about three people that you know who don't know Jesus so that you could be an ambassador to them. You could be communicating the good news of the gospel to them. So right now, think, who are there three people that you know in your life that don't know Jesus, that you are being an ambassador to, that you're the minister of reconciliation to? Think of, think of your neighborhood, your neighbors. Think of the people that are in your workplace that you work with. I... I I hope that your East Texas life isn't such that the only people you know are Christians. If you find yourself and you can't think of three people that you'd know that aren't Christians, well, then you're probably in a Christian bubble. You don't know 
people who don't know Jesus, you don't know enough people. And so let me encourage you, man, find, find somebody that you don't know in your neighborhood. Take the initiative with someone that you work with and go to lunch that doesn't know Jesus. Man, if you have kids, be involved in their school, in their extracurriculars. So do you, if you're a soccer mom, man, know the other soccer moms. If you're a baseball dad, know the other baseball dad. If you're a, a theater or music, there are people, I guarantee, in your life that don't know Jesus. And that, my friends, is who you have been given the ministry of reconciliation for. That is who you are an ambassador to. So... This third section, if I was going to try and wrap up, what is this ministry of reconciliation, this um, ambassadorship that I've been given? I, I couldn't decide between two words. Paul uses them both. He says I, he wants to implore you or he's making his appeal through us. So if you think back through these words, we have words like compelled and persuaded and imploring you and appealing to you. These are the kind of words out of this passage that we, in 2017, get to face this new year with. As ministers of reconciliation, as ambassadors, he is making his appeal through us to the world, the greatest news ever. So let's come to the conclusion of this and think of a few specific applications. I would say, from what we've talked about today, Remember this, that your view of God, how you see and know God, determines everything else about you. So make it a point in 2017 to get to know him better, to know him accurately, to understand his character, the way he sees things. And as you understand the way he sees things, you will find that you learn to see the unseen, not the visible outward appearance of things. So make every effort to resist the world, right? Every time you turn on the TV, every media, every influence, they're telling you, judge by the externals. Make your um, decisions based on the outward appearance. Resist that. Look to the heart. Understand the inner and unseen things. And then your motivation for all of this is really this being compelled, being controlled by the love of Christ, how great his love for us is. It motivates us. It undergirds all that we do because we have been loved so well. And then finally, the last thing, you are a minister of reconciliation. You are an ambassador for Christ. Who are you reconciling? Who are you inviting to come to know this great news? Um, would you pray with me? Father, thank you that you do love us so much. That love is amazing. It doesn't allow us to be unchanged. So as we consider 2017, as we consider what this new year holds, help us to feel the full weight of the ambassadorship that you've given us. Help us to love others and to see others the way you see them. Help us to be proclaimers of the good news, to be effective ministers of reconciliation. So I thank you for Bethel Bible Church. I thank you that our church has 
people who are located strategically all over White House. We have people in different neighborhoods, in different workplaces, in different schools. You've put us out there to be ministers of reconciliation. Help us to faithfully discharge the tasks that you've given us. We love you again, and we thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at BethelBible.com. Thanks for spending time with us, and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.